Hey y'all, it's Saba, the Southern Fried Witch, and today we're just gonna chat. I have some funny things to tell y'all, I have some garden things to tell y'all, and that's about it. I've been scared out of my hot tunnel recently, because as much as I love snakes, y'all, and I do, I don't know, there's just something about a five foot long snake waiting on me down there. (laughs) I don't know, he may have been four foot, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anything over like five inches is terrifying to me. I do love a good decay snake. I love decays. They're so precious. You practically have to pay them to bite you. So, bless it. And by the way, when someone says, bless your heart, sometimes it's real. But all the time when someone says, bless it, it's totally real. You got blessed in a good way. Anyway, I do believe it's a king snake, and uh, we had removed a king snake from our property back when we didn't understand about those, and we paid for it, because king snakes will, they will do you a big old favor, honey. They will take out all the venomous snakes on your property, and as they themselves aren't venomous, you know, it's a win-win. Now, they will, I mean, they will bite you. You're not going to die. My son always teases me. I love um, what we used to call guy movies. I don't like calling them that anymore because I never did fit very well into a gender mold anyway. But I suppose I like that category of movie a lot. And The Hangover (laughs) is one of my favorites. When anybody gets upset about a snake or a sweet little old spider, I'll say, but did you die? (laughs) And you have to have watched the movie to know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I did not die. I saw him stretched out. Not completely stretched out. and Looked like he had eaten recently. And I just lost my hankering for gardening the rest of the day. He went on in the house. He won that battle. And then I've got my precious, you know, garden garter. And she is so sweet. I'm sure she'd bite me too if I messed with her. But I don't have any intention on doing that. And what had happened was we had warmed up down here in Alabama. I mean, we'd had an 80-degree day or two. And then all of a sudden, you know, the bottom fell out and it got cold again. And uh, it scared the snakes, I reckon. They've all woken up. They needed a place to go. They needed a place to be warm. And that high tunnel can be up to 20 degrees hotter. It depends on if the sun is shining or not. And that's where they went, so... I just waited for the sun to be continually nice and warm for me to go back down. (laughs) Although I've seen them down there before. I don't think they want to be in there when it's blistering. So I got my pepper plants put up. And I know I've told y'all this before. But one of the best things to do with these little seedlings when they're young is to keep a bit of um, airflow on them. And that's not just to make sure there's not any, you know weird mold issues it's also to strengthen their stem now I don't mean to (laughs) lean them over flat but kind of give them a little jiggle jaggle a shimmy shake 
it's a wonderful way to assure that stalk is going to be a really nice stalk. And I've got some down there. Oh my goodness. Little, like, little tiny tree trunks starting up. I mean, they are healthy. So last night after the sun started to go down, I got down, let's see, I got 25 peppers in the ground. The issue though, y'all, is I got about 100 more and I'm going to have to find folks to take some of these home because I cannot kill them. But y'all, while I've got you on the phone, let me give you a couple of gardening tips. On that first one, be sure that you plant your babies on either a cloudy, all day long cloudy day, or my favorite way to do it is the night before. You know, get out there when the sun's starting to go down and get them in the ground. And then I put hay all around them. And my hay has been seasoned and left out in a farmer's uh, land for a couple of years. So I never do see anything pop up out of that. And you know what else that helps to do? It helps to hold that brand new plant kind of in place and up. I had a farmer one time. Well, <clears throat> a farm specialist came out here and tell me that I needed to pull that hay back away from that stem. You know, and it's not very thick. I mean, it's only like a couple inches tops. Because uh, having it up against it, there would be ever more likely bug attacks and, and such as that. And I reckon that might hold true on paper, and it might hold true in a larger farm. It just doesn't hold true around here. It never has. What I need is something to keep that ground underneath that baby and those roots. I need something to keep it kind of damp. And I say damp because I cannot stand the other word. Um, that person can't say it. But it, it has to be like that because our summers get brutal. So, I mean, do you? You want to pull it back a little bit, I reckon. Go ahead. I wouldn't do it till they're established really well, though. So that's the first thing. That way, the next day, I mean, it's had all night long to acclimate. Hopefully, the next day won't be too rough on them. And if so, just get you some kind of a shape cloth to put in front of everybody right there at that southern exposure and maybe give them an extra day like that. Do that especially with anything that's delicate. And I've had folks ask me, well, where do you get your shea cloth? Well, you think I got money like that? Uh-uh. No, I do what my grandma would have done. I, I get a like a light gray sheet. I'm extraordinarily fond of the color gray. And I'll get one of my old sheets and I'll just sort of hang it up in front. It gets a little bit of sun, you know, a little patchy, this and that. And especially, you know, as the day wanes on, it'll get it from the side. But I'm not burning them to death. And you need to water them really good those first couple of days. But anyway, I said I was going to tell y'all two things. And you know the way I talk around the mulberry bush, right? Well, the other thing I wanted to tell y'all is when your baby peppers are not that big, we're talking about, you know, a foot tall, they're going to start up their mess. They are. They're going to start trying to put out little flowers on the top and make babies. I mean, their whole entire damn job is to do this. You feel me? So they're going to try that mess, and they're not even tall enough to support the weight. Don't let them do it. I know how bad it's going to hurt your heart because it hurts mine. But reach down in there and pinch off those flower buds. <laughs> pinch them off. You might have to take a couple of baby leaves with you, but I would not let them do that until they're tall enough to sustain growth. 
So now a good rule of thumb is that when they're about five or six inches tall, now this is, you know, if you're growing them from seed and I tend to do that because it's so much cheaper. I can end up with, I don't know, I reckon 30 or 40 plants for about $2. So it makes more sense to me, but I do put in the work. But when they're about five, six inches tall, that's when you're going to pinch off that, those little buds that are trying to pop up on you. And also, you want to, when you get them to their location, the location they're going to grow in, all right, you want to wait about two, maybe three, just to be safe, weeks before you stop pinching those little buds. And quite honestly, any little tiny new growth off that top. And the reason, the methodology behind the madness here, is that we want all of that energy to go into sturdying up that plant, not making more life. They're too young, honey, to be having babies. <laughs> let them get nice and tall and let them get past, I mean, don't go too far with it, but on their final location, about two, three weeks, take those tops off, take them off. I'll try to do some videos on that. I think it's a good idea if I do a couple of videos on that. So that's what I've got going on. I am putting all of my tomatoes this year in those big cloth biodegradable potting situations. And I'm doing it because we have just a serious problem down here with tomato viruses. And I'm doing everything I can within my power because we're going to lose this battle eventually to keep them away from back splatter and soil issues. So putting them right in those, and I've got them on top of pine straw, just trying to eliminate any splatter that could get back up to their leaves and cause all those problems that we have. And I think I've told y'all before, I am not a great grower of maters. I am not. Someone needs to take my southern card away from me. I don't know what my damn problem is. I'm just not that good. To me, they're extraordinarily fickle down here. Now, if I lived up north, maybe it wouldn't be that bad. But everything from the heat to our torrential rains to what they call pest pressure, um, all of that just makes them very difficult. I know folks who grow them in greenhouses and have plastic down around the roots and they're very controlled environment. I don't have that. I try. I'm going to try again. And sometimes I'll get something I think is worth it. I hope this year works out. It's a new method. We'll see. I had a sweet follower write to me today and say it was so cute. It really was. It was. She had taken a photo of a very old podcast of mine. Oh my God. I don't even know. Two years ago. At the exact timestamp, <laughs> it was the gardening magic one because she couldn't understand my damn accent when I said purslane. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, y'all. So it made me remember to tell y'all, go back and listen to that one. It was back when I still did seasons. So the way you could find it would be season two, episode 13, Gardening Magic. And I think it's really an important one because it has so much information about things like this, native plants that are already trying to give you food that we are crushing under our feet. So if y'all see purslane starting up in your garden, instead of just ripping it out, why not cut down, you know, the first third of that or maybe even more because they're tenacious and taking that 
rinsing it off and putting it in your salad, honey. It has an amazing crunch and like a little lemony pop. And it has all these omega-3s. So damn good for you. So do try it. Also, my chickens love it. You got chickens, honey. Let them go nuts on it. The eggs will thank you. And one last little gardening note. And I'm doing this more for me than I am y'all. I have to be honest. I've got to keep all my notes in my head. Because this is the first year I don't really have a whole lot of support from my oldest son. He's busy. He's working. You know, all those years during the pandemic, I had him right here. And I don't really have all that help anymore. I'm kind of alone. Um, Taryn is... Well, he's overloaded. He's trying to fix up our old house and he's my lifter, if you know what I mean. So he lifts heavy soil and moves things around and helps me build things. And I'm the only gardener. So now I've got probably out there in that nursery. Oh, I reckon I've got 120 plants I've got to get, Grandma. (laughs) I also do not have all of my herbs seeded yet. That makes me horribly behind. So, oh wait, what was I going to tell y'all? I am going to do some videos this year over on my Patreon only of uh, some of the things I do with yucca. I have two different varieties of yucca here and it's just a phenomenal plant. And I know if you've got it in your landscape and if it's too close to your house, you're trying to get rid of it. Well, honey, if you are, let me tell you what to do with it. That root, it is phenomenal. There's a process that you can do without um, to make soap. And the reason is because, and I'm going to mispronounce it, y'all, and I'm so sorry. I think it's saponin? Saponin? Anyway, it's S-O-P-O-N-I-N. And when it's added to water, it creates suds. And so a long time ago, I learned how to make my own cleaner for the house, and it's 100% you know, non-toxic. We don't have to worry so much about our pets, our babies, and the way I keep it shelf-stable, and not for very long, but come on, honey. If you're cleaning your house, it'll probably be okay in a month or so as I add white rice vinegar to it, or sometimes apple cider. depends on how I feel, but that apple cider, y'all, we all know it's got more purposes than that, so... It makes a wonderful shampoo as well. I won't give you the recipe. Afraid I'd mess that up anyway. But one of the other things I do with it, uh, just to get those saponin or saponin or however you say it, to get those out of there, I take my spears and I boil them for a very long time. And that helps a lot. That gets a lot of those compounds. But then after that, I take an old corn grinder rock. It was my grandmother's. And I strip all the green off of it as well as I can. And once it's been boiled, that will really come off there pretty good. And then you're going to have, well, pulp. And I take that, put it back into the water, just the green stuff. And I let it simmer a little while longer and then I strain it. That stuff is fantastic. And I just realized there's a pun there if we're talking about cleaner. But I don't stop there. Once I get those stripped down like that, I don't know if you've seen yucca when it has all of its greenery stripped away, but underneath that is what is called cordage. It's extraordinarily um, sturdy, straw-like material. And uh, my partner, Taryn, 
He's been known to make cord out of it, you know, just braiding it together. Very, very strong cord indeed. Well, what I do with it, and I need to do a little video for y'all, is I make little besoms out of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stronger, longer lasting than any of my corn brooms. These little things are fantastic. So it's a two for one. And if y'all remember anything I've ever said about gardening, you know how I love a two for one. That dual purpose thing. Yum. But right now, my Spanish bayonet is, and that's one of the varieties I have, is blooming. And it only blooms every two years. And always in the past, there's been like one, maybe two stalks out of this delightful little cluster we have. And you know, I don't know how it acts at other people's homes, but the Spanish bayonet has not tried to crawl or make babies everywhere. It just hasn't. It stays fairly put. Anyhow, this year we have quite the treat in store. I have three stalks coming up out of there. Which, yes, it does mean there are three plants in there. And I don't know if you know this, but they are delicious. And this year, we're going to try a recipe that I got from somebody who knows this kind of thing. We're going to try yucca blossom quesadilla. And I'm pretty excited about that. So the yucca plant, for all of its, um, I suppose antagonistic properties, it also can provide quite a lot, especially for a homesteader. One of the other things we've done with our yucca, not this variety, the one we got from Jekyll Island, their spears are just incredible and they're extraordinarily sturdy and they have um quite painful needles at the end of them. We've planted those underneath our windows just to give anything that wanted to mess around and find out a little bit more security. And also, we have planted some of them, and we don't have to continue because they have made a couple of babies, and we are going to monitor them so they don't go wild. But we've planted some of them behind the fence that leads to the woods to encourage the deer to maybe stand back a little bit. And they get really nice and tall. So... Some of the wonderful, magical, practical uses of the yucca plant. I just love doing it. I have this tendency to, well, infuse certain responsibilities on this land to animate, well, not animate, to living plants instead of, you know how you hear some folks and, and, and this is a great idea and I've done it, but he will only understand wards as Maybe something that you can construct, you know. I've seen stones with sigils embedded in them and, you know, tree hangings, all all kinds of things, honey. But as a country which I have often made a communion, if you will, with the living folks around here and asked them if they wanted to do that job. And you'd be surprised how fast a yucca plant will say yes. <laughs> They want to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let me spear somebody in the ass. And so that's just one of the things I've done. So I'll make sure to get those videos up. But they will only be on Patreon. Well, I might sneak one or two over on Instagram. But y'all know this old grandma is not great at that. I'll try. And the last little piece of advice I'd give y'all if you were a witch and a homesteader, gardener, farmer, whatever, 
is to consider blessing your seeds before you put them into seed pots, the ground, whatever. It just is that extra little step, and I've noticed a real difference in doing so. The more time you spend with plants, the more you're going to get to know their personalities and what they like and what they don't like. And yeah, most of that is science, but we all know that science is just magic that somebody finally qualified and proved. So don't forget to do that too. Every process that you are involving your body, your soul, your magic in, you sort of become part of that as well. And it's an extraordinarily healing thing to go through. Just make sure that while you're getting that healing and you are the benefit of all that food, that you are giving something back, whether it be red wigglers or mycelium, song, protection, just make sure that it is a little bit more fair of a transaction. We don't want to be colonizers like that. We want to be, well, at least I want to be, the kind of pagan that is always painfully aware of what is giving me life, of what is sustaining life. And uh, through that, through that act, I think I've learned more about myself as a witch than I ever could from a book. Not that those aren't fun. (laughs) But anyway. All right, y'all, I want to do some shout outs real quick. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. These are our new Patreons. Connor, Tyler, Brandy, Kimberly, April, Mandy, Shannon, and I do believe I've done this one in the past, but I want to make sure, Ella. I couldn't do the podcast without y'all, and I'm so excited to see some of you at the first annual Patreon Bat Children Ball this October. We're going to have a blast, y'all. I don't even know how to handle it. The excitement's a little bit too much. I figure I'm going to get sore from all those hugs meeting y'all in person, but it has meant everything to me that I've had the support from you. So can't wait to see you in person. Can't wait to sit around a fire with y'all. And for anyone else listening, only patrons are allowed to come to this ball, so don't at me about it. I'm just excited had to talk about it a little bit. All right, y'all, I need to get out of here. I have all those damn plants I got to get in the ground, <laughs> and I'm a little bit worried about it. Also, I got to feed my bunny rabbits and do one more recording for Patreon. Love y'all like chicken. Blessed be. I'll talk to y'all next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.